2: Radio, Radio. Hey, folks, welcome to the January 29th edition of Rubber Guard Radio. I'm your host, KZ, and this episode of Rubber Guard Radio is brought to you by our sponsor, WrestleWarehouse.com. If you need pro wrestling DVDs, Lucha Libre masks, T shirts, CDs, uh, 8x10s, photos, uh, WWE swag, whatnot, WrestleWarehouse.com is the place for you. I am on the air with my co host, Alex Saint. What's going on, Alex?
1: Hey, what's going
2: on? And I am also on the line with this evening's guest, OVW and Derby City wrestling personality, Kenny Bolin. How you doing, King?
3: Doing marvelous. How are you guys getting along?
2: A little wet out here in Northern California.
3: Well, it's a lot wet right here in Louisville, Kentucky. We just had a big old storm blow through here with 75 mile an hour winds blowing roofs off of buildings, but... Fortunately, the Bowling Estate withheld uh, another one, and uh, we're going to pull through. We're going to make it. What was that entrance music I was listening to as you guys were coming on? I thought I was getting ready to be a guest on the George Norrie Show and talk about UFOs or something.
2: (laughs) That was was, um, a little custom song that I whipped up just
3: for this evening. Some interesting Um, music there. I was in the mood to talk about being uh, abducted and maybe being probed or something, but I'm getting my mind back in wrestling here now.
4: Do you have any good abduction and uh, probe stories, Mr. Tyniebola? Ah, uh, probably nothing. I need to go over today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to start it off. I'm going
2: to start it off nice and easy. Tell me, what was going through your head when you called the 53-minute match between Ted McNaylor and Brian Chico Alvarez? <laughs>
3: <clears throat> pretty much shock and dismay, because uh, I think you're pretty close to right on the time there. It was approximately 53 minutes. Uh, I think I gave Ted McNaylor the possibility of maybe going 13 minutes of his life depended on it. Uh, Chico Alvarez had not wrestled a match, to my knowledge, uh, pending who you talk to, in three to five years. Uh, no competitive matches, matches to speak of whatsoever. And for him to be able to give 53 minutes, and I tell you what, this is no
5: <clears throat>
3: no BS and no pun intended upon my company name. That was one of the better matches that I've seen. And I'm talking not only DCW, OVW, WWE, ROH, or any of those companies out there. It was one of the better quality wrestling matches I'd ever seen. Not tons of high-flying, not tons of, of, uh, of trash-talking going on. Uh, or as, as, as some people like to call it, uh, well, I bet there was a lot of rest holds. No, but you'd be dead mm-hmm. wrong. There wasn't a lot of that. The uh, There was a lot of um, um, uh, stall tactics. I didn't see any of those. I mean, these two guys flat got in there and went at it for, for pretty much 53 minutes. And as far as a wrestling match goes, it was one of the better ones I had ever seen. I, I have to, now, and, I, and I've seen all the greats, and, and I'm talking all of them. And to think that Ted, Mc, uh, Ted, the Trailer McNaylor and Chico Alvarez would give me a match that it would entertain me as much as that one did, I must say, at the end of that 53 minutes, I was pretty much shocked. Now, that Brian, now Brian uh, Alvarez
4: gives most of that match's credit to uh, Ted McNaylor for being able to walk him through that match. Now, uh, what, what are your earliest memories of uh, Ted McNaylor, and then uh, how, how, how good do you think
3: he is? I'm going to tell you exactly what I told Ted McNaylor the day that he walked into training camp, or I won't say it was exactly the day. He'd been around there for a short period of time. And, uh, how are you doing, Mr. Bolin? Uh, what do you think my chances are? Uh, what would you do if I was in Bowling Services? And when he said that, I said, well, number one, I'd fold the company up and shut it down. I said, because if it's the likes of you is what I'm down reduced to hiring, then my company's pretty much gone to hell in a handbasket.
5: <laughs> That's what I
3: told him. Now I don't sound too motivational, but I also don't sugarcoat a whole lot. And I try to be honest with what I tell people. So I pulled him aside, and I gave him a chair and sat him down next to me. And I said, I'm not trying to sound like a big shot, and I'm not trying to sound like a big dog, and I'm not trying to scare you in or out of the wrestling business. But if you think you're ever going to see a day that you're going to wrestle on Ohio Valley wrestling television, if you think you're going to be a referee, if you think you're going to be a manager, you can scratch all those things because it ain't never going to happen. Uh, that body is not going to improve that much that it's going to get you on our television show. Your verbal skills are not going to improve so much from today that it's going to get you on our television show. You either got to have looks or you got to be able to talk, and I don't see that you have either one. Now, if you want to hang around here and have fun and pay your money and, and go to school and get your ass beat every day, and if that is your idea of fun, then I guess you're in the right place. But uh, if you're trying to come here to advance to OVW television, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong place. Oh, and wow. I told Rip Rogers exactly what I'd said to him. He says, Oh, "Don't worry, King. I told him the same thing. I told him to save the. He he he's not going anywhere." I said, "Okay." So now you and then he evolves into what we've got now as as to one of the more entertaining uh, wrestler, aka referees or whatever you want to label him as. He's one of the more entertaining personalities that we have on either DCW or OVW television. So you talk about two of us. I'm pretty good at evaluating talent, and Rip Rogers is even better than I am. And uh, the two of us blew it. And uh, you can't find me one person in OVW that said that he did say, oh, yeah, he had it. We knew we knew he would be good. Nah, none of us. Uh, we blew actually,
2: it. <laughs> um As far as Ted's concerned, I I personally feel – my own personal feelings are that he is the most talented – performer on pro any pro wrestling TV show in the United States as of well, right now. Well,
3: I'm 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 not going to disagree with you. Uh j- just because of what he brings he he brings something that nobody else brings. I don't know if I can put my finger on exactly what that is. Now, is he going to get in the ring and square off against Hulk Hogan? Uh is he going to square yeah. off against um uh Brett the Hitman? I'm throwing a few old names there at you. or You can throw some current names. Of The Rock, a Stone Cold Steve Austin, and that's not exactly what what he was bred for. But as far as getting in the ring and putting him with pretty much anybody, and getting a quality match out of him or, or getting an entertaining promo out of him, he's more than capable of fulfilling that job. And, and like you said, there's a lot of people that see him and think he's one of the more entertaining personalities on television today. And I'm and I, like I said, I'll be the first to tell you I blew it. Uh, I was dead wrong about him. But I don't feel so bad because people had, people a lot better at this than me uh, also blew it. So I'm not going to feel too bad.
1: So you, you brought up another name
4: who's uh, a
3: legend in this business. That's Rip Rogers. Now, uh,
4: when was your first time you met Rip Rogers?
3: Really the first, <clears throat> the first time I met Rip for any period of time is probably right about my first days in OVW. That would go back to probably November of 97. Uh, and now coming in to Ohio Valley Wrestling, I was one of these people that uh, I was kind of groomed by Jerry Lawler and Jim Cornette and and uh, was on Nick Koulis' television show down in Nashville. And when I come into OVW, oh, I came in pretty much thinking, you know what, I know, I know everything. I'm the man around. You know, I'm going to be the man around here. And and uh, things are going to change, and you all need to listen to me. And, of course, Rip Rogers was here. I didn't know a whole lot about Rip. Rip didn't know a whole lot about me. Um, he probably thought I was an idiot and somewhat arrogant for coming in thinking I knew anything and I'm thinking, well, you know I'm kind of looking at Rip like, where's your respect for me? You know, yeah, I come with a pretty good background myself. I come trained by, you know, Jim Cornette, Jerry Lawler, and Nick Goulas. You know, what about me? So, we, we've had a bit of a clash at first and then when I understood that Rip Rogers is one of the legends of this business when it comes to uh, the psychology of wrestling and the training of, of wrestlers and young minds and got to remember i'm one of the older ones there i'm not all that much uh all that much younger than uh than uh than rip rogers is <clears throat> so it was a, a bit of a shaky ground at first but i think we have both grown to to greatly respect what each other is good at and uh, he's very good at what he does and through time and effort he's learned that i'm not too bad at what i do and i think we've grown to like each other and respect each other very much
2: yeah, Rip Rip is in amazing shape for a gentleman that's his age. Never that's seen alive.
3: anything. Never seen anything mm-hmm. like uh, him and, and what he does and the diet that he's on to, to get to where he's at. Uh, he just recently went on a, on a six month fast where he didn't eat solid food, and uh, I think he, he weighs like 180 pounds, something like that, and uh, phenomenal shape. Uh, you, you're not you're not going to find an ounce of body fat on him.
2: Oh, and still, uh,
3: but but he takes he still some strange ripped, he ways red? to get there.
2: Pardon? He he's still ripped, isn't he? Oh, oh. yeah,
3: yeah. And uh, I'm not going to hide it. I, I hid it for a long time. Uh, I used to lie on the internet and say I was about ten years younger than what I am. But but I'll turn uh, 48 years old on my next birthday. I know Rip has got to be pushing his mid to late fifties himself. And uh, you're just not going to find anybody in any better shape than Rip Rogers. Unbelievable, that the diet and regiment that he's on and, and stays in the shape that he's in.
2: Well, you, you mentioned um, breaking in with Goulis and Lawler. How did you actually break into the business?
3: <clears throat> Strangely enough, I, as much confidence and arrogance as people think that I have, I never thought that I was good enough to get into the wrestling business until I was in my, let's, let's go ahead and say it, my late 20s. Oh, you got to remember, I was brought up around the best. I was brought up around Jerry Lawler, Jackie Fargo, uh, the 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 Gibsons, Jim Cornette, Jimmy Hart, uh, Hulk Hogan. All these people had come through the Memphis territory when I was a teenager, uh, into my early twenties, and I always did want to be a manager. I wasn't. I thought I'd be a decent wrestler, but I knew I'd be a better manager. And, and as time went on, that was pretty much where my love was. And I always thought I was a better manager than Jim Cornette, or I thought I would be one. We both knew that's what we wanted to do, and I think he always felt that I would probably go first, and I agreed with him. Well, Jerry Jarrett called Jimmy Cornette into his office one day and offered him the job as a manager. And I'm thinking, well, hell, my turn can't be too far behind. Surely they're going to see the talent in me, and surely I'm going to get a shot soon. Well, that shot was never really offered because they already had Jimmy Cornette, and they had uh, Jimmy Hart there as a friend of Jerry Lawler's. Well, so had I even come in, I would have been the third banana. Well, there's not a lot of food if you're the third banana uh, to spread around, so to say, as far as a paycheck goes. So I just never thought that I was ever really going to fit in. And this was the only territory that I ever really had any interest of working in. So time goes on and on, and I'm just happy to be a fan and a friend of a, of the wrestling business. And um, I'm shopping at a uh, service merchandise in Nashville, Tennessee. I'd moved down there to work with a uh, sales company that I'd been working with for a few years. And Nick Goulas approaches me in a service merchandise. And he says, excuse me, young man, I hope you don't mind me approaching you. He says, but you remind me of a young Jerry Lawler. I said, well, that's funny you say that. I said, I'm very good friends with Jerry Lawler. And I said, it's an honor to meet you, Mr. Goulas. You probably don't realize that I know who you are. And I explained to him how I'd watched him on television since I was a little kid and had always dreamed of working for Nick Goulas Promotions one day. He says, Well, do you have a good knowledge of the wrestling business? I said, Well, as good as anybody. I said, I'm best friends with Jim Cornette, Jerry Lawler. And, and I said, I've always wanted to be in the wrestling business, but, you know, I said, There are just enough good managers here that I just de- didn't really feel that there was room for me. Oh, well, I got news for you, uh, Mr. Boland. There's plenty of room for you. He says, I've got a new television show I'm getting ready to start here in Nashville, and I'm looking for the next Jerry Lawler uh, to be on that television show. And if you want the job, you're it. He says, I have every confidence that that, that you will be a success in this business. So that was from Nick Gulis at a service merchandise in Nashville, Tennessee. That was probably September or October of 1987. And here I was, 27 years old, thinking that uh, my better years had passed me if I was ever going to get into wrestling business. And uh, come November of uh, 1987, my very first match I managed in Birmingham, Alabama, I managed uh, Tojo Yamamoto against Gypsy Joe, and uh, made made $50 that night, which was, I was told was huge money for a first-ever night out of uh, Nick Goulas, but I was disappointed. I was naive. I thought that uh, once he was in the wrestling business, it was $1,000 nights and fast cars and limos, and I didn't realize you had to build your way up in his business to ever to ever get to any type of, type of dollars like that, so... So I kind of skated by and did other jobs and, and uh, tied the wrestling business in with the sales business to where I could make a living. <clears throat> and I've been making my living only in the wrestling business uh, for probably about the last 12 or 13 years.
2: You mentioned Gypsy Joe.
3: Mm-hmm. Now, this
2: guy is, what, about 75, and he's still ever, ever going – Ever, up. And, I mean, this guy – he is—it's insane the the things that this guy does. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that you've seen the videotape with him and New Jack, and uh, New Jack decides to hit this old man with a bat. Shoot, hit him, and it's just—it's amazing how how Gypsy Joe can can go out and continuously do this. That yeah,
3: at, yeah. And I, I, and in all honesty, all honesty, I hate to see wrestlers uh, of that age or really any age. Uh, participate uh, in in things like that, uh, getting whacked with a ball bat or a light tube or whatever the hell ever. Um, Gypsy Joe, he's paid his dues. He's done uh, his deeds for for the wrestling business. And and, uh, I don't think Gypsy Joe, a 75-year-old man, needs to be getting beat down with a ball bat. Uh, He needs to be sitting at a table, signing autographs, signing pictures, or maybe sitting in a locker room and spreading his knowledge of what he knows about the wrestling business to the younger talents and, um, and letting them know just how fortunate they are to even be able to get into this business and call themselves wrestlers. See, you've got to remember, I knew everybody in the wrestling business. I was connected with anybody who was anybody. You dropped a name and I knew them. But you know what? I wasn't in the wrestling business. You had to earn your way in. You had to prove that, that, that this was your dying dream and what you wanted to be a part of. And so much of today is anybody who can go down to the State Athletic Commission and get a wrestler's license or if they can promote some backyard promoter and say, hey, I want to be a wrestler and I'll do this stupid thing to be a part of it. Well, that's how they get in. And, and to me, it's a shame because back just before I got in, you know, I'm not saying that I lived that, uh, that, that total scenario. But back when Jimmy Cornett got in and people well before him, you had to really prove you wanted to be a part of the wrestling business. And it didn't matter who you knew or how well you knew them, you didn't necessarily get in. Um, it, was, it was an honor to call yourself a professional wrestler. And when I see people in these training camps anymore, and I know guys that don't know a headlock from a wristwatch, and uh, people that, uh, oh, I've been in the business nine years. Well, how many matches you had? Oh, I've had 100 matches. Well, how many matches have you had with people better than you? Oh, well, maybe five. Okay, well you've had five matches. That's what you've had. You haven't been in the business nine years. You ain't had a hundred matches. You've had five matches where you had an opportunity to learn. <clears throat> and that's what it's all about, is, is learning and getting better the longer that you're in the business. So and people can argue with me about that all day if they want to. That that is uh the art of professional wrestling. And you don't you haven't earned the right to call yourself a professional wrestler until you solely make your living in the wrestling business. And that's what I've been fortunate enough to have done. Uh, through matches, through advertising, through selling myself, through selling the company of Ohio Valley Wrestling, the last 13 years I've been a pro wrestler, the, or a pro wrestling personality. The first seven years I was trying to become a professional wrestler, a professional wrestling manager, a professional wrestling personality. That's what the first seven years was. So for people to get in and been in camp six, six weeks, six days, and they go on their MySpace page and refer to themselves as professional wrestlers makes me sick, and I and I'll tell any of them that. Of course, I'm telling them that right now. So that's just my opinion. I could be right.
1: So since you came up in uh
4: in the Nashville territory with Nick Goulas, and then I imagine you saw a lot of uh, young guys come in and learn, and now that you operate a, a training school, um, how do you see the development of wrestlers from? when they developed by working with better guys in the ring, and there wasn't a training school per se, and now there's a training school.
3: Well, the biggest difference is now is, yes, there is a training school to teach you right from wrong and maybe what you should do and should not do in the wrestling business, and there's somebody like like a Nick Densmore or a Rob Conway or a Doug Basham or myself or somebody to stand around and say, hey, idiot, you don't do that. <laughs> you don't say this. You don't uh, You don't do that. You don't execute a maneuver that way. Uh, you were just talking about what you were going to do at the Louisville Gardens and you didn't convince me to buy a ticket. You know, there there was none of those things. You had to learn it on the fly. And um, the other thing is, is that a lot of these guys now get discovered. They get discovered, somebody. Say I was at Kroger and I saw a seven foot two guy that weighed 350 pounds. And I said, ooh, he'd, he'd, he'd be a good wrestler. Well, maybe he would be a better ballet dancer. I don't know. I'm just looking at a big guy. I'm thinking might be something in the wrestling business. Well, somebody from WWE might find this guy, and they want to sign him to a contract, and they send him down to Ohio Valley, and pending what area you were signed in, they sign you to $500 a week to $2,000 a week to learn the wrestling business. Well, of course, any idiot who doesn't have a good job is going to take that opportunity, whether they like wrestling or not. So you still haven't convinced me that you're a wrestler and that you want to be or deserve to be in this business. I want the guy who's uh, I've got I've got a personality that's coming over here from Australia, that's spending three thousand dollars on a plane ticket, that's already paid their tuition in advance, has already paid six months in advance on their apartment to move here. Well, you know what? I'm going to give that person a shot all day long because that's somebody that's putting their money where their mouth is, their time and effort, and is going to come here and learn this business. Uh, for for the guy that walks in off the street and he's and he's. Uh, trying to make his payments uh, day by day, and he doesn't think he should have to have a job because he's getting ready to be a star in the wrestling business, and, well, in six weeks I'll be better than everybody here. You know, Well, th- those are the kind of things that irk me. So so that, that is the difference between the training camps and the mentality of what wrestlers used to be. Because used to be you were just thankful that someone thought enough of you to give you a job in the wrestling business and an opportunity to work, earn your way from a $25-a-night guy to a $50-a-night guy to $100 a $100-a-night guy to the guy that might be driving the big stars around and packing their bags and filling their gas tanks up to eventually becoming somebody like The Rock or, or Coco Beware as big as he became in the WWE with The Birdman. Um, uh, Jerry the King Lawler, who's been on uh, on the top in the business really as long as he's ever wanted to be from the early 70s, and, and he can still go do towns all around here and draw a few thousand people anytime he wants, so... Uh, pretty nice luxury to have. I'm not rambling, am I? Oh, oh no, no, it's
4: it's it's very fine, sir. So, um, what are you say that uh, you you grew up watching Jerry Lawler? What are your some uh, biggest memories of uh, Jerry Lawler matches in Memphis?
3: Biggest memories of well, from my childhood days, my biggest memories of Jerry Lawler matches were the the feuds that he had with the fabulous Jackie Fargo. And that was where I really got turned on to wrestling. Act. Because, number one, a lot of people, even as a kid, told me that I looked a lot like Jerry Lawler. A lot of people thought we were brothers. Uh, so that kind of gave me some interest there. Well, who's this guy that looks like me they're talking about? And uh, and then I liked how he handled himself, and I liked how he talked on interviews. I liked the confidence that he had. And he became a role model to me. I mean, he truly did. He was like, man, I'd like to be like him. Yeah, he's a bad guy, but you know what? He knows what he wants He says what he's going to do, and he he does it. And I know nobody else likes him. But So then it got to the point where I was 14 years old, and I'd go down to the Louisville Gardens and buy a ticket for $2.50. I'd um, I'd sit in the uh, cheap seats and watch Jerry Lawler and be the only fan there that he had. And I watched him feud against guys like gorgeous Georgia Jr., uh, um, uh, Bill Dundee, of course, when he first came to the territory uh guys like the mummy that was here for for a brief period of time dr frank i mean there's all kinds of weird uh even monsters he was fighting there for a while uh, <laughs> but the feud, but the feuds with jackie fargo were probably the ones that will set with me the most and then a little later on came the feud with terry funk and those were pretty awesome all the way up to the empty coliseum match and as a matter of fact i think jerry lawler mentions me in his book on two or three occasions as as knowing more about his career than he even knows himself and And had the writer of his book refer to me for much of the information that went in that book. (laughs) So, yeah, and I I probably know Jerry Lawler's career better than I know my own, if you want to get right down to it. Okay, so uh, you, you remember a lot about Jerry
4: Lawler's career. What um, some of us that stick out to me
3: in Jerry Lawler's career? So, oh well, you know what? I left off one important thing. Oh, okay, okay. All all, the, all those things with Jerry Lawler and all these attributes I gave him, and then what happens is when he found out that I started referring to myself as the king
5: of managers
3: <laughs> because he knew you know we were friends. From I mean, he gave me the the pair of tights that he wore uh, his first return match back to the Louisville Gardens when he'd been gone for a couple of years. He gave me the tights he wore that night gave me a ride in his Cadillac down to the, to the McDonald's so he and I could go hang out and have Big Macs and Big Reds together. And then the next thing you know, he knows is that I'm on television calling myself the king. Well, he didn't listen to the entire accolade. I referred to myself as the king of managers. Jerry was the king of wrestling. So when he came to Louisville and found out that I was working for Ohio Valley Wrestling and there was a new king in town since he had left, That led to a feud between me and him that's been going on for the last 11 years now, and we've either feuded at the Louisville Gardens or Six Flags Kentucky Kingdom every year as to who the true king of Louisville
5: is.
3: (laughs) And uh, Sadly to say, I haven't fared too well in those, but I do live to fight another day, and I do reside my home here in Louisville, Kentucky, to where he lives in Memphis, Tennessee, which I say makes me the true king of Louisville now uh, back in the back in the 70s and 80s when lawler was on top of
4: memphis there there's been a a lot of wild nights in, uh in memphis and that uh
3: oh yeah well what are people well jerry lawler actually sold the mid south coliseum out more times than elvis presley not a lot oh, of people wow. realize that so if you get right down to it he was the true king of memphis uh, he sold more tickets in the mid south than elvis presley ever did and uh that king is still alive and the other king died many moons ago <laughs>
4: So uh, with me being a younger person, I'm only, I'm only 23 years old. Um, oh, bless most, your
3: heart.
4: <laughs> most of my memories come from uh, DVDs. My,
3: my, or, my son's close to your age. I have a 21-year-old son who's, a, who's a breaking into the business as well. Oh, wow. Who's even mouthier than I am. So <laughs> you guys may have 20 more years of bowling to put up with here before we're done.
4: So, so my biggest memories of Jerry Lawler are obviously from DVD and video. And uh, one of my memories that stick out most is uh, his cage match, his hair versus hair match his,
3: uh Austin Idol, with uh, time Rich coming from under the ring.
4: Uh, were you live at
3: that event, sir? I was not at that event. Do you recall what year? Because if I'm not mistaken, didn't Jerry Lawler lose that match? Yes, he did, with our conference coming from under the hair. ring. I was, not, I was not here then. I believe I was living in, in Atlanta at that time. But very sad because Jerry had always promised me he'd never, ever lose his hair. <laughs> and I do remember a hair match he had with Bill Dundee where he beat Bill Dundee it was it was it was Lawler's Cadillac against Dundee's hair. And yeah. uh Lawler had lost his Cadillac to Bill Dundee so Lawler wrestled Dundee uh, Lawler's hair versus the hair in the Cadillac. So Lawler got his Cadillac back and Dundee lost his hair. Well the next week Bill Dundee talked his wife into putting up her hair and uh well guess what <laughs> she lost her hair too. And then that soon led to a divorce. (laughs) So that was it for Bill and his old lady. And uh, so those were the hair matches that I remember. And I remember Lawler put his hair up again and then changed the stipulations of the match at the very end to where his manager would put his hair up, and his manager was Mickey Poole. And uh, Mickey Poole ended up getting his head shaved in the middle of the ring. So Lawler escaped many of those, but apparently he didn't escape the one with Tommy Rich. And who else did you say was in it? Um, I remember Austin Idol, it was Austin, Austin Idol, Idol and yeah. Tommy yeah. Rich, yes, yeah. and then... Uh, Austin Idol, Tommy Rich. I'd like to see some film of that. I'm going to ask her, I've got a lot of old films here. Yeah. I've got, as a matter of fact, on my website, uh I've got uh, a three-DVD set that I sell called The Memphis Classics, and it's a lot of the great Coliseum matches, mainly those featuring Jerry Lawler and Jackie Fargo, but there's lots of others on there as well, and some studio stuff. And, um... Uh that is one of the things I would like to add to that collection soon. If, if that is available, uh, Lawler losing his hair to Austin Idol, I'd like to get possession of that. And who knows, I'm going to ask around, maybe I can come up with it. What what um what was your favorite rivalry that Jerry Lawler ever had in Memphis? Well, the Joe LaDuke rivalry was something else. Uh, that was another one I left off. Uh Lawler and Dundee, of course, live forever because that uh they have always feuded ever since Bill Dundee's been around here. Uh, my favorite, just because it was my first and it's what I grew up on, would be Lawler and Fargo, because I knew it was just going to be one hell of a match and just fist of flying, rules, you know, forget the rules. Uh, there, there wasn't going to be no wrestling; it was going to be a fight because mm-hmm. that's what Lawler and Fargo did best. It wasn't there wasn't going to be any headlocks, wasn't going to be any leg scissors, wasn't going to be any flying mares. It was going to be a fight for however long that match lasted. And those were my favorites. And of course, Lawler and Funk. Not a whole lot of wrestling there either. So, <laughs> so probably Lawler, Funk, Lawler, Fargo. Of course, Lawler Idol was good. Lawler Valiant was something else. Uh, he he's fortunate enough that you can attach his name to a lot of guys in the business. And uh and and it was a great feud. I mean he 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 worked well with a lot of people. Now well, we thought, we've what about that King. What about the King? He got on the phone.
1: Yeah, I was just about to
4: say that. I mean, enough
3: about Jerry Lawler. No, I've been Lawler over enough. Let's talk about me. <laughs> now, I'm looking on uh, uh the list
4: of people you've had throughout the years in bowling services. I've had and quite
3: I'm... a list, haven't I? Uh, you've had quite a
4: list of many uh many champions here and many uh people that have made it to the WWE. Do what you realize your... at
3: one time, I know you got a question you're getting ready to ask, but let me feed you this. Do you yes, realize uh... at one time here recently that bowling services nearly had the trifecta in the WWE? We had John Cena as world champion with uh, WWE. We had uh, Bobby Lashley as world champion with ECW. And Mark Henry was just a hair away from winning the world title with SmackDown. And that would have been all three world titles, all three Bowling Services graduates. And uh, But Mark Henry got injured, and, and uh, that was back when he was fighting Goldberg, if I'm not mistaken.
4: Now, how selective are you about members of Bowling oh, Services? I'm sorry, but it was,
3: it was The Undertaker. How selective was I? Yes, sir. Wow. Uh, you pr- you pretty much had to have something going on, especially in, in the early days before you were going to get an opportunity. I mean, we didn't really, what you call, take anybody. Um, but then again, I did as a challenge. You, you, you remember Mike Mondo, I'm sure. Mikey with the Spirit Squad? Yes. Well, as a bet, they told me that I couldn't go to the amateur class and pick out a wrestler and get him on Raw. Because everybody kept saying, well, every time good talent comes here, you get the cream of the crop. Cream of the crop always comes to Bowling Services. They get seen sing with you. They're getting called up. Why don't you take somebody out of the amateur class and do that? Well, not only did we do it with one, we did it with with the Beast. We did it with uh, Carlos Colon. We did it with Mike Mondo and uh, I'm sure there's been a few others, uh, Orlando Jordan. Uh, I'm sure there's been a few others we did it with. <clears throat> but Mike Mondo was the one we took as a bet that you can't take Mike Mondo and get him on Raw. Well, not only would you get him on Raw, but he was a tag team champion for better than nine or ten months with the Spirit Squad. Mm-hmm.
4: Along with Ken Doan, who was a former member.
3: Who? Along with Ken Doan, who was a former Ken member. Ken was, was he a member of Bowling Services? Um, I, um, I, I, I my source right him. here says he was. Yeah, yeah, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> now, Kenny was all right, I guess. Uh, me and me and Kenny didn't see eye to eye a lot of times. Maybe it was because we were both named Kenny,
5: <laughs> or, may,
3: or maybe one of us was an idiot and didn't listen to the other one. I don't. I don't know. I'm just. I'm just guessing. Okay, so um,
4: you you yeah, managed. He
3: was, he was in bowling Services. The videotapes don't lie. He was.
4: <laughs> so you well, managed the prototype.
3: Now manage the when, who. The prototype. Prototype, John Cena. Yeah, uh, he'll never amount to anything. Number <laughs> thirty. Number thirty. He'll, he'll Number 30. never be anything in the business. Well, is he still around? Oh, I, I think
5: he just came back. If I, <laughs> if I'm not
3: mistaken. <laughs> no, no. I'm very proud of John. John is, uh, without a doubt, one of the one of the greatest members I ever had in Bowling Services. And and if you want to attach fame and dollars and recognition to it, he would obviously be the creme de la creme. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm on John's uh, three DVD set that uh, that just came out here recently. I don't know if you saw that. Me and Danny Davis are on there talking about John's days down here at Ohio Valley, and and lots of clips from the old days of mm-hmm. um, of us together. And uh, so, if you haven't seen that, you might want to grab that three DVD set there. Of uh, uh, I forget the title of it, but it's the only new. What's it called? My oh, Life, I life. think My it's Life, there you go. My my son bailed me out on the title there, and you knew it as well. So <laughs> <clears throat> He is on that. You cannot buy that one at com, but if you do want to get any of the uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling uh, DVDs from, say, 1999 through 2008, every single one of them that Kenny Boland's ever been on, uh, you can go to com, go to the Shop Zone, and you can pick up... Uh, well, you can't really buy the DVD, because, of course, we know that wouldn't be legal. Right. Uh, WWE owns the broadcast rights to those. So, so what we've done is, is you can buy the Kenny Bolin autographed picture for 1995, and then as a courtesy for all those fans that buy the 1995 picture, they get a free television recording straight from DVD out of out of the out of the confines of my own home and estate. Here, you get a month of of, of any uh, any uh, month you choose, or any year you choose to go along with your 1995 picture. So it's almost oh. like get it's almost like getting the DVD for 1995 and a free picture, but that's not how it is. You get a you get the picture for 1995 and you get a free DVD. Well, oh, that's great because, <laughs> because I've that's, actually legal. Look, that's legal. You can do that. I've actually been
4: looking for uh, some Rob Conway and Nick Densmore stuff, because I haven't seen now, it, so I've I'm going to... Well, uh, I tell you
3: what, email me, email me at KennyBolin at com, and I have a link that's on my email that yes, tells that. you the content of every television show we've ever done. And you can check that link out, check out your shows. Obviously, you can go back from 99 through 2004 and probably find stuff with Conway, Densmore, Basham, Cena, Rico... Bull Buchanan, Mark Henry, all those guys that have Lesner. been there. Lessner, uh, there's a, another guy I didn't talk about. <laughs> okay.
2: Um. So what, now, I'm going what to. What are you guys convert-
3: getting to talk about? There's two hosts there and, and me and one guy talking. But you go to com, go to the shop zone, and you can order any of those things. And I do accept PayPal, personal checks, certified checks. Anything endorsed by your grandmother, whatever you got, you know, we'll work with you.
2: Awesome. Now, now those people that are listening out there and and you're wanting to get a taste of the OVW product, I suggest the November 2003 uh, set of TVs. Um, I
3: just sent. That, I just sent. Uh, I don't know what was the hot on that show, but I just sent several uh, November 2003s. And some the, January, February, April 2003s out in the mail today. What what, what happened there that everybody the, was um,
2: to see? That was the Basham's blow up. the blow-off of the Basham. Okay, yeah, that,
3: that was some good television. That was when Danny yeah, Davis that got good involved, was it? And, and yeah, Danny was, Davis, though they tried to beat him down, but four or five of them jumped him? Yep, yep. Yeah, I recall so. that. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, I, I did send out a lot of 2003 today, and I, I did not know why people were ordering that particularly, but... That was uh, right around the era they were trying to get.
2: That that one episode of OVW-TV is probably my second favorite ever episode of, of pro wrestling. Um, the first one is uh, Mid-South, uh, 1981, where uh, Teddy DiBiase turns babyface when he's in there with Flair. When Murdoch gives yeah, him yeah, a yeah. The, uh, brain buster on the floor.
3: Yeah. That's my it's favorite. It's been a long, long, long time since I've seen that. <laughs> Did you ever see the episode of OVW where Bowling Services impersonated the Disciples of Sin?
2: I think I have.
3: That would have been in the old building, so that would have probably been 2001, 2002 at the latest. And all of Bowling Services dressed up like a member of the Disciples of Sin. And I've been told by everybody that's ever ordered DVDs that that is their favorite episode uh, of OVW that they ever saw. And I think the other one we liked was the, was the Randy Orton family tree when me and Rico got in the ring with a big giant box and devolved all the dirt we had on Bob, on, on, on Randy Orton's family. And uh, the other one was the Bowling Service's birthday party, which Nick Densmore crashed. And uh, that was a pretty funny episode, too. So those are probably three of my favorites, and you've got to mention yours there. But all of those are available at... Did I mention com? I, I think I did. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did plug that. So,
2: Kenny, um, what, what's your favorite OVW match that you've ever seen?
3: My favorite OVW match that I ever saw? Mm-hmm. Uh, my son's here with me. He's seen most of them with me. Can you – you want to help reflect back on that? What? Uh... I'm putting you on speakerphone here. Do I still come through clear sure. for your listening audience? Yes, sir. That's good. All righty, and uh, trying to think back, favorite. Basham,
4: uh, Basham Dinsmore at Six Flags that one year really good. I can't
3: remember the year, but it was a blow off of their view. Yeah, he's talking about a Basham Dinsmore match at Six Flags. You'd have to ask uh, James. That and, was uh, pretty good, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick strictly to Telly because that that would be what people would have an opportunity to see a, the, lot the, the the,
4: a lot of the disciples against Brodo and D'Onofina were great. Yeah, you can't
3: really get a lot of the uh, of the Six Flags matches, but. Probably uh, anything involving the Disciples of Sin and Bowling Services were were, were pretty good. Um, Lord Big Show, Batista, uh, when he was the Demon of the Deep Leviathan, was was certainly looked uh, forward upon when that first happened. The
4: match where Proto beat uh, Leviathan. Proto
3: against uh, Nova, those were some good matches. Uh, John Cena against... uh, Cena against uh, Batista for the title was a really good match. Cena against Batista for the title. There's a lot of good ones. It's kind of hard to pick one. Um, And plus I'm an interview guy I I kind of remember my favorite shows By my favorite interviews Not so much as favorite Well you know what my favorite Okay I'll pin it down for you My favorite match I think it happened in 2004 If I'm not mistaken Kenny Bolin versus John Cena Loser leaves Louisville And I beat him So you can say (laughs) that I have a victory Over Let's face it he's the world champ If he ain't got it now he will have I've got a victory over the WWE world champion. Now, I've beaten Rob Conway. I've beaten uh, Nick Bensmore. I've beaten Matt Capitelli. I've beaten Rico. Uh, and I've beaten the Damager. But how many times do you get to say you beat the WWE world champion when you're not even really a wrestler?
2: <laughs> my, my favorite OVW match ever was uh, the first Benoit-Dinsmore match.
3: That was very that good. That was I great. Coming. That was very good. You're talking about at the Louisville Gardens, correct? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, very good match. I remember that one. Angle, uh, Angle, Kurt Angle and Nick Densmore, uh from our new arena uh, was a real good match. Uh, that probably goes back to like 2003 or so, give or take. Yeah, it was right, right when we moved into the new one. So. Yep, lots of lots of old memories there, guys. Uh, fortunately, you know that's the great thing about videotape and DVD is that you can uh, store them all and go back and. And I just recently transferred. Uh, over the last couple of years, I just transferred all of the, uh, videotapes to DVD, and uh, and to go back and watch all those old memories and watch how much weight I've gained over the last eleven years. So kind of nice in one point and depressing in another.
4: You brought up a name, Matt Capitelli. Now, is
3: there, When's the last time you spoke to Matt Capitelli? Is there any uh, chance of him returning? Matt Capitelli was at our arena just uh, probably just a few weeks ago, and kind of gave an update on his health and everything. And he said he's had the surgery. the um, uh, The tumor it looks like it's uh, gone for the most part, and seems to be doing very well. But he didn't really elaborate as to a possible return. Uh, right now, I think we're mainly trying to keep Matt Capitelli alive, and not really worried about whether he's going to be in the wrestling business anymore or not. His his overall health is the most important thing right now, and uh-huh. he seems to be doing very well, uh, unless he knows something he's not telling us. But uh, from from looking at him and, and and talking to him, he seems to be doing extremely well, and and uh, of course, all our prayers are, are with Matt. He's 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 a great kid. Now, um, during the WWF's expansion
4: in the '80s, and eventually uh, taking the big stars out of every territory, I, I can't imagine that you were too fond of WWF. Now, how does it feel to turn around and train the WWF talents?
3: Uh, well, you're right. Well, a lot of see, you got to remember, I wasn't really working in the territory. Well, I guess I kind of was. I was working with Nick, <clears throat> but we were kind of new and, and and upcomers in the, in the Nashville area. We were more or less competing against my old buddy Jerry Lawler. So um um they weren't particularly thrilled that me and Goulis were in town competing against them. Uh and then of course Nick come or Nick, uh Vince McMahon come in, kinda of bought everybody up anyway. Uh no, I wasn't real thrilled about it. I guess I understood why he did, I guess if you have the power to do so and and eliminate all your competition, but Vince McMahon himself, I've heard, has admitted it was probably the worst thing he ever did and uh and stacked that upon the worst thing he ever did was buying WCW he bought his competition and and did away with why everybody was watching wrestling at that time and uh, yeah he lost in the ratings war 88 straight weeks in a row i remember it well cuz Bischoff reminds everybody <laughs> Uh, But he lost 88 weeks in a row. But then again, uh, once uh, he put together a better product, uh, the ratings started going back his way, and and they won 90 or 100 weeks in a row or however long it was. So, and and I thought, I I knew the minute he bought them, when there's no competition and nowhere to go, it wasn't going to be a great thing for the wrestlers. Might be good for him. Might be good for the network that he's got wrestling on, that they're the only big boys left in town. And let's face it, TNA's doing what they can, but they're not what WCW was. They're not pulling in, you know. They're not beating Raw on a on a on a weekly basis. And until that happens, TNA can't be viewed as, as really liable competition. Uh, they're beating Sci-Fi. Well, I got news for you: OVW beats Sci-Fi. So, um, so we're not going to pin too many accolades on them there. Something else I do want to brag about while I'm on here is that. Uh, over the last several months, OVW has become the number one rated television show on the CW network. As you know, we're very big in Cincinnati now. We've been huge in the Louisville market for the last 11 years, uh, either on Fox, uh, WB, or CW, when, which uh, they became after uh, the merger. And we are now the number one rated show on the CW, and people say, oh, well, that you must mean paid programming. No, nah, we beat Smallville. We beat One Tree Hill. We beat uh, top model, the local news, all the top shows that are on the CW network. We are now the number one, uh, the number one show. And uh, OVW gets into about a seven-state radius. Uh, our two big launching pads are right here in uh, Louisville and Bardstown, Kentucky, and Cincinnati, Ohio. I understand we're going to Dayton in the near future, and uh, but our signal gets into the fringes of about seven states around here, and. And we do shows in Indiana, Illinois, uh, Owensboro, Tennessee, a little bit of West Virginia, uh, Kentucky, obviously, Ohio. So we're we're spread pretty thin. That's about as far as we can spread ourselves right now. But we're we're very proud uh, of the accomplishments we've made, especially uh, after some people left uh, OVW, uh, not necessarily to their own accord, and predicted our death and demise, um, we've uh, bounced back very nicely. Now, uh,
4: that, that's that's very, very high accolades on the
3: Ohio Valley product. Now, uh, the, the Derby City
4: product, now, from what I understand, the house shows are doing real well. Um, can you sing some accolades on the, the Derby City product? Well, the
3: house show, the house, and, and thing you got to remember is that the DCW is the developmental show for OVW. Uh-huh. Uh, you get on there and, and try and advance and, and gain your way to the OVW TV show, and then, of course, once you make it to OVW, you're trying to get recognized by WWE and get brought up to one of their three affiliate shows. So it, it, it's a constant battle, and uh, DCW has done very well its first eight or nine months in. You're right, the house shows, uh, I don't do a lot of those because I'm mainly just an announcer and kind of a troubleshooter there. I just, uh, I'm just i kind of the Al Snow of that show, I guess you would say, which is a <laughs> strange feeling for me, but I kind of keep charge of what's going on on the DCW show, keep law and order. Yeah, they they almost want to call me a good guy. Kind of scary, isn't it? <laughs> kind of scary. Doesn't Kenny Bolin and good guy don't seem to ring. But it wasn't my choice. The fans just, they like me better than Twinkle Toes, so it's kind of a a devil by default, I guess. <laughs> Cause I haven't really changed any. Uh, but the fans love me on DCW, and they still absolutely despise me on OVW. You won't have one fan in that building cheer for me on Wednesdays, but they all cheer for me on Thursdays. And I'm not really a bit different on one show as I am the other, so you got me.
5: But well,
3: D- DCW is doing very well, and uh, we don't quite draw the uh, the the crowd for DCW that we do for OVW. But you got to remember, OVW was 11 years in the making, and DCW doesn't have 11 months in yet. So it's coming along very nicely though, and doing 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 well. As a matter of fact, I'll say DCW is probably doing well in the early stages better than OVW did in the early stages. They're drawing a couple of 300 a show, and uh, that's not bad. Now, with your uh,
4: wrestling expertise, Mr. Kenny Boland, if you were running World Wrestling Entertainment, who are some guys in OVW and I even throw in Derby City, even though those are a lot of young guys, who could you see yourself as uh, running WWE really making money with? uh, Which guys could
3: you see in either brand really making money with? Well, if I were in WWE and I were running things and I were calling people up, you might be shocked to hear this, but maybe not very many people at all yet. Because the one thing that I've been critical of WWE about is that I think that we rush some of our talent to the WWE before it's ready to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Rosellis come to mind, and a lot of times, and a lot of times, once our talent is brought up there. It's changed from what we groomed it to be here, so they're not really going up doing what we taught them to do here. So, in my opinion, they would stay here a lot longer. Uh, if you were in OVW, you would be here two years before you would be even considered for a call-up. And, uh, and you know, Nick Bensmore, Basham, Conway, all those guys, they were here seven years before they ever got an opportunity to go to the WWE. But the thing about it is, when you learn how to work uh, a wrestling territory here for seven years, you're going to have a pretty good idea of uh, of how ball is played when you get up to the WWE. Yeah, it's going to change in a little bit, but um, sometimes I think our talent gets rushed up north quicker than it needs to go. So, But as far as who's here now that I think has the potential to make money... Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Anthony Bravado. I think I think there's some opportunities for him uh, down the road. He needs to be here a while longer, and I would say probably a good another two years, if not longer, but the, there is some potential there. Um, if you use Ted the Trailer McNailer the right way, believe it or not, there's dollars. If you can entertain, you can entertain anywhere, and Ted the Trailer McNailer is an entertainer. So those are a couple of them out of the DCW ranks. Pardon? Uh, oh, yes, Ali Akbar, I think, does a very good job, uh, one of the uh, Iranian and, and insurgency team there. He does a very good job. Um, and I'm, I'm probably leaving some names out, but uh, uh, the key is, is to let them learn their craft here at OVW. OVW and DCW are training facilities. Let, let us do what they're sent here and come here for. Let us train and develop them, and then when they're ready, call them up. And I, and I, and the product will stick a lot longer. Uh, but if you bring them up too soon, they don't know what they're doing. Their confidence gets rattled. And, and hell, there's, there's been several of them quit the business because they get up there and get rattled, and it's not what they thought it was going to be. Or, or the company will sire on them a little bit. And and uh, what could have been doesn't happen.
4: Okay. So uh, now we have a little bit less than ten minutes left with you, Mr. Bowen. I would like to play uh, – I'm gonna name a name and i I would like you to give some quick thoughts on uh the name.
1: All right. <laughs> okay, uh Santino Marilla. Pardon? Santino Marilla. I tell you
3: what, very very impressed with what he has done. He was one that I'll be honest with you, I wasn't quite sure if he was ready to go yet. He wasn't doing uh here what he's doing there. Uh he was he was a Russian badass here. And I really liked what we were doing with him at OVW, but I have to admit, this is one time that I may like what he's doing there better than what he was doing here. Very entertaining, um, solid, solid uh, wrestler, and uh, I see big things for him, I really do. Um, Lance Cade, or uh, what what do they call him up there? Um, Well, it was Garrison Cade, Cade. and I think he's back to Lance Cade again. Okay, Lance Cade. Uh, Lance, former member of Bowling Services, I really thought a lot of him here. He was a good mixture for me. Uh, he was good for Bowling Services. He had the nickname Big Bird down here because <laughs> he had that long, blonde, stringy hair. And when it got hot and sweaty, and he had, he had a little bit of a big nose on him, and all the fans called him Big Bird. And he was hated down here. They hated him with with, with a passion. And up there, uh, even though he 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 has had the uh, the, the titles there for a bit, He just hasn't quite found himself in the WWE to the level that he found himself here. And I've heard he said that he sure wished that I was up there managing a lot of the guys there, but that just ain't going to happen. You know, there's not a lot of managers in the WWE. and In all honesty, I don't think they could pay me enough to go there, to be honest with you. (laughs) I'm pretty pretty comfortable in my my situation I've got set up here. But um, uh, Lance, I don't think we've seen the best of Lance yet. I think... He will find himself, or maybe they'll get him with that right manager. Uh, I'd love to be there uh, to help him, but that just can't be. But um, um, st- stick around with Lance. He's even going to get better. He's young, big boy. He's got a lot of time. Randy Hales. Oh, Randy Hales. Worst left hand punch in the history of professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I'm left-handed, Amen. and I figured as long as my punch uh, is better than his, then I'll be okay. Uh, good guy. always like Randy. Randy's a, a tremendous passion for the business. Uh, loves wrestling with uh, as much, if not more, than anybody. Uh, but, oh, what a horrible left-hand punch.
1: <laughs> Mark
3: Henry. Mark Henry uh, went from one of the most arrogant, aggravating, whiny pieces of crap that I didn't want anything to do with when he got here, to one of the guys I love more than anybody in the business now. He's probably in my top five. Uh, Mark had to learn how to be in the wrestling business, and he learned that here at OVW. Me and Mark got off to a rough start when he got here, and I mean a real rough start. Um, Things I won't go into that a lot of the public don't know about, but when we got everything put back together, Mark and I became very dear friends. And I consider him one of my best friends in the business. Uh, I wish, I wish deeply for him to one day have the world title. I, th- I think he deserves it. Uh, I guarantee you, there's not too many people up here that can whip his ass.
5: Um,
3: so maybe he just better hope they decide he doesn't really want that title real bad one day because who's gonna take it from him? Uh, but no. I'm, Like I said, sometimes you grow into your relationships, and Mark and I certainly didn't start out with no love affair. I managed Mark the bulk of his career when he was down here. He's been here off and on for the better part of four or five years. And Mark is a class act. He he would give you the shirt off his back if he thought it would help you. And uh, we we have come a long way. Jeff Jarrett. Uh, I don't know Jeff that well. we know We know each other in passing. We've said a few words in the locker room a few times. He knows I've been around forever. I know he's been around forever. I knew him when he was a kid. He knew me when I was a kid. And um, he kind of broke in, you know, in wrestling right around the time that Jimmy Cornett was getting in. And, uh, Lord, it's kind of hard for me to comment on Jeff because I've known him my whole life, but then again, I don't really know him. You know what I'm trying to say?
4: Yes, yes, absolutely.
3: So it's not like we've really sat down and had a lot of conversations, but yet we would see each other every Tuesday night at the Louisville Gardens, and maybe every Thursday at Ruck Arena, or every. Pardon? Yeah, I, I guess Jeff and I are about the same age. I, I turned forty-eight, and uh, and my, I think Jeff is younger than me, to be honest with you. I think he's a little bit, by too much, maybe. But no, he's one of these guys I've known my whole life, but I don't really know him, and I, I don't, I don't know if you can really say that about a lot of people. <laughs>
4: Lance Russell.
3: But he is a good guy and a class act from 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 those that do know him better than I do. Cornette obviously knows him better than anybody. And if Cornette says you're a good guy, then that's good enough for me.
4: Okay. What are, what are your opinions on Lance Russell?
3: I regret that I never got to work a television show with him and that I never got to be interviewed by him. In my opinion, <clears throat> one of the greatest territorial wrestling announcers that there ever was. I don't know much about his days uh, in Atlanta. I know that he went there, and I was highly disappointed when he left here. He was one of those announcers I felt should be born in Memphis and die in Memphis. He he was a Memphis Southern wrestling announcer, and we all loved him here like you wouldn't believe. Uh, probably the most loved wrestling announcer there's ever been in this territory.
1: Dutch Mantel.
3: Probably I've learned more from Dutch Mantel. Uh, in wrestling other than Jerry Lawler or Jimmy Cornette. I worked for a promotion briefly that I wasn't very proud of, and the only reason I stayed with that promotion for the six months that I did is that I was involved in programs involving Dutch Mantel, and it was some of the most fun I ever had in the wrestling business. And Dutch Mantel gave me the best advice I ever got. He said, uh, Kenny, I I think you're a tremendous talent. I think you're one of the best, if not the best, managers in the business today. And he told me this 10 years ago. He was that high on, on my ability. He says, but you know what they pay managers, and you know what breaks managers are getting these days. So he said, if you will treat this as your golf. He said, you don't like golf, do you? I said, no, I don't like golf. He said, well, a lot of guys like golf, but it's expensive. He says, you have the luxury of doing something you love, and you're going to make some money at it. He said, but if you stick with it long enough and just treat this as your golf, you're going to be fine. And just any money you make is gravy. So I took that, and I just kind of considered every check I ever got was gravy. And then, like I said, the last um, last several years, I've made a pretty good living in the wrestling business. So I can't complain. Tracy,
4: Tracy Smothers.
3: I was also working that same time and era with Tracy Smothers, uh, Class Act, uh, one of the old-school-style wrestlers. Worked with him and Dutch quite a bit. Uh, learned quite a bit from Tracy Smothers as well. Uh, uh, don't know him personally that well, but I know that he was always a consummate professional in every match I ever worked with him. Okay, a guy that
1: uh, I, I don't I don't know if he can cut a good
3: promo or not. I'll
1: leave this up to you,
4: but uh, he sure does talk a lot, and that's uh, Jim Cornette. What are your opinions on Jim Cornette?
3: Jim Cornette, one of the lousiest managers that ever walked Couldn't cut a promo if his life depended on it. A hanger-on in the business. The only reason he ever got a break is because his mother, Thelma, paved the way for him. Uh, he, He had four eyes. He couldn't see to save his life. If he took his glasses away from him, he wouldn't know King Kong from Godzilla. And he's got a bum knee. (laughs) And and he couldn't even climb a ladder properly. He still brings poor old Big Bubba Rogers, a.k.a. the Big Boss Man. Blames him to this day for not catching him off that ladder. (laughs) And the thing to remember is that I trained and developed 36 professional wrestling stars and moved them on to become millionaires or potential millionaires in the WWE. Jimmy Cornette managed one team, the Midnight Express, who would have been great with or without him. Wouldn't have mattered. And uh he was a hanger on. Jimmy went to where the money was. I make <laughs> stars and Jimmy drains stars. And that's my opinion on Jimmy Cornett. Okay, He's and a another guy that uh promo too, by the way. <laughs> oh, and by the way, he wasn't much of a television announcer either, because that's why the ratings are through the roof now. They finally got a good wrestling announcer down here in Louisville, aka me <laughs> as opposed to Cornette out there running his mouth for fifty seven minutes strong.
4: Okay, and uh lastly
3: before we uh cut you off, Mr. Bolin, uh Danny Davis I mentioned a- he's a hell of a guy. Excuse me? Did I mention Cornett's a hell of a guy?
1: <laughs> Danny Davis.
3: Cheapest some bitch <laughs> off planet earth. If I had been basing my life upon earning my living in the wrestling business off every dollar that Danny Davis ever reached in his pocket and gave me I would be eating beans under a corner of a bridge somewhere today. Uh, but when it comes to wrestling and giving me an opportunity to uh, improve my craft and, and, and to make me one of the biggest TV stars ever in the history of Louisville, I owe my life to him. He He's given me every opportunity, stuck with me when others may not have. Uh, he didn't know me from Apple better. Uh, when I started in the business, it was basically on the word of Jim Cornette that if you'll put Kenny Bowen on his television show, uh not only will you be entertained, but Kenny finds money and he will he will make OVW a success over time. And I don't think I'll let anybody down. So now Danny Davis probably in all seriousness I wouldn't have I wouldn't have traded anything. One of one of the best promoters that, that I think a guy could work for. Not uh he's not <laughs> Not that thrifty with handing out the cash.
5: <laughs>
2: but
3: fortunately, I've been good enough. I've been able to find the cash wherever I've went. And, and I even found it with Danny Davis. So.
2: All righty, Kenny. Your hour is up.
3: What? Really what? I thought I had you had coming hours. on. I thought I had two hours. What do you mean my hour's up? You want to go? I got go no hours worth of stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Are
2: you serious?
3: <laughs> no, I, I never dreamed I'd fill the hour, to be honest with you.
2: <laughs> but uh, if, we're, if we
3: got the ire filled, then I'm, I'm happy. I could be of some help. No, it's honor, honor Mr. Definitely,
2: Bullen. definitely, our pleasure to have you on. Um, well, Thanks much. Uh, once, certainly, once uh, again, keep in,
3: with, keep in touch with me. And now, this show is based out of where, California.
2: Uh, I'm in Northern California. Alex is in Southern California.
3: Okay, well, you certainly have that uh, uh, spectrum covered there. Well, let me know what the people of California think of the king out that way, if you would.
2: Most definitely. Um, Once again, what was your website, Kenny?
3: Uh, Kenny Bolin. That's www.kennybolin.com. If you want to order any of the DVDs or pictures, go to the Shop Zone, and all the details are there. We do accept PayPal checks, money orders. Whatever uh, means of uh, cash you have, we'll figure out a way to get it done for you. (laughs) Awesome. <laughs> you no, know, we do accept CODs, don't we?
2: <laughs> Mr. Bolin, thank you for your oh, time. Oh, if any of the
3: fans out there that ever care to email me or if they want to get a list of the content of our television shows, not only are they at the uh, website, but you can email me at KennyBolin at MSN.com. Or if you want to check out my MySpace, just backsl- uh, MySpace.com backslash KennyBolin. I try to make it nice and easy for everybody. Awesome, awesome. Space, Once again, backslash Kenny Boland.
2: Thank you, Kenny. We'll have to uh, get you on again. Uh, hopefully, In, um, anytime,
3: guys. You've been more than you've been more than fun.
2: Hopefully, uh, we could get uh, JC on with you. If you know, break the rules to have DNA. That
3: would be an entertaining hour, guys. <laughs> I'll, see would, I'll see what I can do for you. I'll see what I can do for you. That might be an hour where you guys don't get to talk.
2: Alrighty, thank you for your time, Kenny. I really appreciate it and we will be right back.
3: Thank God that hour's over.
2: (laughs) But now a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for action figures, pro wrestling books, pro wrestling gear, title belts, music CDs, t shirts, replica belts, wrestling DVDs, wrestling masks, wrestling rings? If so, please visit WrestleWarehouse.com. WrestleWarehouse will be able to help you with all of your pro wrestling needs, and make sure that you tell them that KZ from RubberGuard Guard Radio sent you. All righty. Well, that was a fun first hour. Alex,
4: what do you think? <laughs> wow.
1: Just got another education
4: there. That's what's good about RubberGuard Guard Radio. If you're, you're just breaking in, or even if you've been in a little bit, uh, we do a little bit here. We, we get some really good guests, and they'll educate you if you listen.
2: That's right that's that's part of my personal mission, brother, is to uh make sure that you you learn properly from from those that you know have experience in the business and those that have drawn money in the business, so you know <clears throat> you are a sponge and and pretty sure that you're sucking it all up. oh, well, that's <laughs> a drop for you, oh boy, all right, we're waiting for Mr. Matt Farmer to call back in. I'm
1: going
2: to he's not I'm dead. Doing? Yeah, he was actually on hold there. But I'm going to play uh, one more commercial here, and then uh, I'm going to give him a call real quick. So okay. hold on a sec. Are you looking for hard-hitting, high-flying, independent pro wrestling action? If so, your search is over. The superstars of Elite Pro Wrestling will keep you just that. Elite Pro is proud to present... Elite TV, which airs at 10 p.m. Central Time Friday nights, 30 minutes, on Comcast Cable Channel 19 in the Chicagoland area. Alrighty, we're back for the second hour of Rubber Guard Radio. On the line, Mr. Wrestling, Matt Farmer. What's going hey, on, brother? how's it
6: going, man? Not much, man. Not How bad. Are you? Not bad. Good, good. good, we, good. Uh, I actually caught the last uh, 10 minutes or so of Kenny Bowling.
2: Oh, fun stuff.
6: Yeah, that's gonna be a hard
7: man to follow.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Well, um, the reason the reason I wanted you on was um I wanted you to uh run down the results and, you know, your feelings on this show that you ran this past Saturday. How about we start oh, okay. from the top? Let's see
6: here. Oh, okay, from the top. Well <clears throat> it was a long day for to 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 make it uh, you know, to start start off with it was a it was a long day to be honest with you um we had some complications with the ring to begin with um the original person that we had contacted to rent the ring from um pretty much no show took our money ah, I wouldn't say they took our money yet they just haven't uh, paid us our deposit back yet so um you know that was kind of a big uh big big adventure right there we got we got to the building a little late, set up the ring a little late we were running a little late. We had a crowd outside, uh, actually wrapped around the building waiting to get in, and we had to start a little late. So that that kind of put a damper on the show from the get-go. We started about 20 minutes later than we were expecting to start, which kind of, uh you know, that really upset us. But, um, you know, we had a packed crowd uh, once we let everybody in. All the chairs, all the bleachers were full, which was great. And we actually had a really good show from what I understood. I haven't seen, the, I haven't watched the DVD of it yet, but... I'm listening to the crowd and listening to people that I had placed in the audience. Everybody seemed to really enjoy it a lot, so that was good.
1: I'm just happy was, to hear that uh, Brian didn't <laughs> kill you
6: with one
4: of the shoot symptoms
6: <laughs> ah, no, no, no. Actually, it was, it was. Uh, you know, I've worked Brian a lot, and um, it's it's been a long time since I've worked Brian. But yeah, we. Uh, I, I was actually myself. I've I've been sick for like the last week and a half or so, and. I think I hit my peak sickness that the day of the show, so I was pretty under the weather. But we had a – no, I felt it was a pretty good match, so everything seemed to go okay. Uh, match, it, or the show's – oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, oh no,
6: I'm sorry. <coughs> no, go ahead.
4: I was going to say uh, any word on how uh, Buddy Wayne's match went with uh,
7: the
6: students. Yeah, I, I, I can't actually,
4: say the same right now. Um, shallow mouth. Shallow, yes, yes.
7: Shallow.
6: I actually watched that match. Um, I probably watched about 90% of it. It, it went really good. Um, you know, there was a case where, you know, the, most of the crowd was only, they were only familiar with, uh, you know, there was, Shallow actually brought a, um, brought a pretty good-sized crowd with him to the show. So um, there was a lot of people there want, wanting to see his first match, and they, they had a really good match, to be honest with you. It was, it was really good. Um, Shallow came across as a guy who was not in his first match. He, so. Well,
5: that's, that's a that's very high praise
6: yeah no, he looked like a veteran and you know, a lot of us were actually joking that he looked better than most of the guys that were on the show um, so. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me um, but yeah I mean they had a really good match um, our second match was a tag team match to be honest with you I can't even remember all the participants because we kind of had to throw it together as a way to uh, I wouldn't say appease the people that we got the ring from but and essentially,
1: that's what it was. Um, third match was, um, would have been a gentleman by the name of
6: Dropkick Murphy from Canada, who works uh, pretty regularly for ECCW and uh, All-Star Wrestling up there. And he wrestled Aaron Bolo, and they had a really good match. I, I really enjoyed it a lot. I watched probably uh, 75% of it, and uh, they really they really tore the house down. So they did really good. Um, we had Pete Storm, who's another guy who Buddy Wayne trained. Russell, uh, Christopher Reisinger. Those two guys—they they, meshed really well together. It, it, once, once again, I, and I've heard this, and I—you know—I'm not trying to brag because I'm the guy that booked the show or anything like that. But from every from everybody that I've talked to, eyewitnesses there that I, I respect their opinions. They all said it was one of the best indie shows that they've seen in a long time in the area. So, you know, I, I'm overall pleased with how how the show how the show went, you know, um, the finished product of the show. I, I was pleased with that. So
1: one, per- one person that we
4: haven't talked about much with you. And then, uh, you just brought his name up, uh, Aaron Bolo. Now I've seen him on a couple of occasions. Um, uh, Brian Alvarez has a pinnacle DVD on his website. And then, uh, Aaron Bolo came down here to Los Angeles and worked one time and I saw him. How, uh, how do you feel about Aaron Bolo? And then how have you seen him progress throughout the years? I- I've seen him really progress a lot. Um,
6: I wrestled him for the first time myself, probably over a year ago, and he was the shits i mean he was he was bad he was below average i'd say for a tri- for a new for a new wrestler his timing was bad his
1: his timing was really bad his he he was almost clumsy in the ring um you know the the training
6: that he received i don't think was adequate. To be quite honest with you, I don't think because you know a lot of trainers train differently. Some train you how to do moves. Other trainers, and trainers that really know what they're doing, they train you on timing and ring positioning and ring awareness and where to be and feeding and things like that. Those are the most important things, and I don't think he he had those things. Um, I know from a personal experience. I worked uh, like a three or four match series with him early last year, and after each match, because he's such a great guy. I'd sit down with him and talk to him and explain to him what he needs to do to improve. And from the first match to the fourth match, he improved greatly. So I, I could see – I've seen Bolo grow by leaps and bounds for sure.
1: Definitely, definitely. <laughs> now, um,
4: with someone who's worked Brian Alvarez regularly throughout the years, uh, we, we brought up Brian Alvarez the Kenny Boland. He really put him over. How have you seen uh, the progression of Brian Alvarez now that he's not working regularly, but he, he comes back and does spot shows?
6: Um, you know, I, I last night when I worked on my I felt, our uh Saturday, I'm sorry. You know, Brian's Brian's one of the top guys. I uh, he's one of the top any workers anywhere in the country, honestly. I mean, whether it's him being inactive or not, I don't think that's 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 that big of a deal because he regularly he he still stays in the ring, you know. He's still in inact- He's still active in the ring on a regular basis. Uh, oh, Okay. He gets in the, but, he gets in the buddy's ring. Uh, probably once or twice a week easily. So <clears throat> excuse me. I, I wouldn't say that he's completely inactive, you know. I mean he he's not working on shows all the time of course, but he does stay in the ring and stay stays in shape and works. He he helps Buddy Wayne out with a lot of his training and students and things like that. So but I've seen Brian progress. But most of Brian's progressions come from
1: Buddies. Okay, and how has uh how's Buddy Wayne progressed? Because a guy that uh He's teaching a lot of people down there. Is,
4: is Buddy Wayne still showing progression?
6: Uh, you know, I I, I wouldn't say that. I, I would say, and I, I think Buddy would even admit this that he hasn't shown he hasn't progressed at because of injuries and things like that. You know, Buddy had a pretty serious back um, surgery a few years back, so he's more limited in what he can do as opposed to what he was doing ten years ago. I mean, I, yeah. I remember having a conversation, Brian. Brian was first breaking into the
5: business.
6: (laughs) Excuse me. And Brian was doing the newsletter at the time. But I remember me and my partner at the time. We sat down. We were, you know, we were we were working out with Brian all the time back then. And I remember telling Brian that Buddy was probably one of the best, and wrestlers in the world at the time. And locally, he was easily one of the best. And Brian just didn't see it. He never, you know, he didn't see that because you know, if you're not in the business, you don't always see how good a guy is. Excuse me, I'm still like recovering from this damn cold. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um but so I, I wouldn't say Brooke Buddy's he's, but he's like improved a ton over the years. Um I would say maybe ten years
1: ago or so Buddy was at peak. You know, athletically at least. So no, I mean, and, and Buddy's, because Buddy's been in the business for, I don't know, 25, little a little over 20 years at least, so. <clears throat> Sorry. Let me get some water, guys. Hold Rob. on a second, okay? Sure. Okay.
2: <clears throat> All right. Well, I just uh, got off the phone with uh, Mr. Bolin, and I thanked him for his time in the first hour, and... I don't think we've ever ever had such a down to earth guest
1: on our
4: show. What do you think, Alex?
1: Well, I, I think we've had a lot of down
4: to earth guests, but I mean, uh, I think every guest brings a little bit something different to the table. You know, I mean, uh, we—I don't think we've ever had a, a someone who was ingrained in the southern territories as much as Mr. Missisip. I definitely think that it, he brought something else in. <clears throat> yeah,
6: sorry about that, guys. I'm back.
4: Okay, are, are you doing all right there?
2: Matt? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I've just
6: had this... I've had, like, a flu for the last week or so, and, you
1: know, it's at that stage where it shifts the cough. So... Yeah, I'm doing fine, though. So, um, did you Mm -hmm. guys run down the results of the show?
6: Uh, yeah, we we briefly touched on that. I, I didn't cover every single match, but to be honest with you, I can't remember every single match. Um, it was such a long day that I, uh, I'd have to go back and look at my notes and see who, you know.
0: And I to be honest, I didn't watch
6: every, every match yet, so um I haven't had a chance to check out the DVD yet, so you know, most well, a lot well, of times well, during the show I'm in the I'm in the dressing room um kind of directing guys on what they are that. So,
2: what what were your feelings on your match with Brian?
6: Um our tag match was it was good. Um I I had fun. I enjoyed it. To be honest, it wasn't one of my best performances. I was really sick that the night before. I had like a 102 temperature. Um, it, by that time, I'd already been up for 14, 15 hours, and I traveled hours, and you know, transported a ring in and out, and dealt with a lot of drama during the day. So I wasn't, I wasn't doing too hot myself. Um, I was, you know, I, you know, you know how it is when you when you have a really bad flu. You can barely breathe and things like that. So, um, but the match, the match went well. Uh, it went really good. Uh, no complaints as far as the match goes. And from, from eyewitnesses, they said that they really
1: enjoyed it a lot. So that, that's, what's good, you know? Good. (coughs) So, um, what do you have coming up? Do
2: you have any shows this coming weekend?
1: Yeah, I'm scheduled to, um,
6: scheduled to go down to Portland. The next two weekends. Uh, This weekend I just I'm booked to work one show down in Oregon for um, it's called NWW NWWA, and then next weekend I have a uh, a little two or three. It's a I think it's a little three day tour down there as well for the same promotion where we're going to hit a couple cities. So that should be fun. Yeah,
2: um, is that the company that Michael Modest is doing some work for?
6: Not that I know of. Um, I haven't seen him down there. At least it's based in um, it's based in Portland. And as far as I know, I don't think Mar- uh, Modest has been up there yet.
5: Because
2: um, I I've I've heard through the grapevine that Mike is um, assisting a company near the California Oregon border. Uh oh, assisting okay. with training and booking, but I yeah
1: haven't that, been able I believe to... that
2: is
6: a, yeah, I believe that's a different promotion entirely this this one's based in Portland, which is closer to oregon Washington border, so I don't think those to be the same things um yeah i have met Mike before and he's a really nice guy. I actually met him years ago at an old uh wrestling like get together and him and uh, Roland Alexander came up to it, so yeah, he's a nice guy.
2: You've never gotten the chance to work with him, no.
6: No, no, I haven't. It's always been one of those situations where you always you you're familiar with a lot of the same people, but you're never in the same place at the same time, you know. Mm-hmm.
2: And is is Mata still working on a regular basis now? No. or is he just no. kind of uh, part time in it? Here and there, there and here. It's a shame because he's a hell of a talent.
6: Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I've always been a big fan of his, even before he uh, started working in All Japan and – or I'm sorry, Noah.
2: Well, when I first (laughs) saw him and met him in in 1997, um, I fell in love. I mean, he was just the kind of heel that that just grabs the crowd and, you know, plus the guy can work. Oh, yeah, definitely. Knows what he's doing.
1: Yeah, Definitely.
6: Definitely. Yeah, I believe I I met him uh, I think I met him in ninety
2: seven.
6: Yeah. Yeah, it was ninety seven actually, so yeah, he's a he's a good good worker for sure. So he, he reminds me a lot of uh like Scoot Andrews.
1: Mhm. Yes. So exactly. there's another guy who was a really really talented guy, you know. So yeah, I, I as right. far as the, our, as far as our show over the weekend, I was really pleased with the
6: end results. And like I said, you know, we had a pretty full house, and um, everybody at the show seemed to enjoy it. It was one of those shows where there was a lot of young families, a lot of kids, a lot of teenagers, a lot of adults. So it was, it was a wide mix of uh, fans, which I really enjoyed a lot. So.
1: <clears throat> All right, Matt, well, um, since you're under the weather,
2: I'm going to let you go. Um, All right, then maybe we can uh get you and Chris booked again uh sometime definitely. down the road. Um definitely I appreciate it. I that. wanna do a I wanted to do a uh, a show focusing on tag team wrestling where okay. I would have uh the Suicide Kings booked in a round table type format with the Heartbreak Express from Florida. Awesome. Um
6: yeah, we we'll are more than happy to do that.
2: Cool. Cool. Well, thank yeah. you for your time,
1: and no uh, we will get back it. to okay. you. Okay. Take care, brother. Uh, all righty,
2: brother. You take it easy, man.
1: I'll try. All right, brother. <clears throat> all right. Well, that was Seattle-based worker, Mr.
2: Wrestling, Matt Farmer. <clears throat> yeah, I um, I got Matt off the line because uh sounds like he's still feeling a little under the weather. Um Looks like I have the Boss Man on the line, Jeff Dino. What's going on, Jeff? That's
7: right, it's Boss Man to you.
2: <laughs> That's right. That's right. If for those that don't know, we're going to break K-Fave here. Jeff is my sponsor. Wrestlewarehouse.com for all your wrestling DVDs, lucha libre masks, WWE swag, CDs, t-shirts, pretty much anything you need. Wrestling uh wrestlewarehouse.com. When you place your order, tell them that KZ from Rubber Guard Radio sent you. Okay, well, let's not let's cut through the bullshit, Jeff. What is your favorite yeah. world class angle ever?
7: Oh well, come on, it's everybody's with the Freebirds. How do mm-hmm. you not like the Freebirds and the Von Erichs?
5: But head uh, name, huh? I did.
7: I, I hadn't watched the DVD until this weekend Alex uh did let me borrow the uh Triumph and Tragedy uh World Class DVD. Uh it's a pretty cool DVD. I haven't gotten a chance to watch all the matches yet. I pretty much just watched the story. Um it's it's pretty much just like the uh the Heroes of World Class uh DVD that was put out a few years ago. And uh that one's actually a really good DVD. I I'm I'm I'm, I'm I, I think I do like the uh Heroes of World Class a little better though. I like the uh, I did like going into the uh, the old stadium, which they do in that DVD. Um, it was pretty cool going backstage with that one.
2: Well, like like I told like I told Alex, it's um the WWE version is a pretty good companion to the heroes. Like uh, uh Forever Hardcore was a good companion for the Rise and Fall of ECW. Um, yeah,
5: exactly.
1: You get
2: both, and you get the more of a complete story. <clears throat> Okay, for those folks that are listening, um, we got about 35 minutes to go, and we're going to just open up the phone lines. If you have a question for Alex, uh, Jeff, or myself, give us a call. Um, anything anything you want to talk now, about? Area code.
7: Now there's a chance to see how many SoCal Pro fans
2: there are. <laughs> area, code. area code 347-215-7946. Once again, Area code 347-215-7946. Open phone lines for about 34 minutes or so. So, Jeff, what's on your mind, brother?
7: Well, I do have to say, though, the um, the Heroes of World Class is a little more depressing than the uh, the WWE version. I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch that one.
2: Yeah, I've watched them both.
1: Yeah, I've watched them both as well.
2: Oh, man. How,
5: how, did how did Gary, you, who, who really... Yeah, who really stuck out in
4: your mind because obviously Gary Hart's one of them. I mean, who really shines to you in
7: that DVD? Uh, you know what? In the new one I really liked um I liked seeing Bill Mercer. Um just hearing his views on a lot of stuff was cool. Um I did I saw the uh the um the jacket that has uh in memory of David, you know, that the blue jacket. I saw that at the NWA uh show back in uh, August. And so I don't. Know, I kind of marked out for that. That's a cool jacket. So, um, but other than that, it's it's a cool DVD. So it's definitely a, if you're a fan, go out and buy it or burn it like I'm going to do to Alex's.
2: <laughs> um, Jeff, before we get into anything else, um, I understand that you have a date booked up here for a wrestling convention in March. What was that date?
7: Uh, it's March. Uh, March 1st. So if anybody's up there in the San right. Francisco area, uh, it's not in San Francisco. Um, it's in Newark, and it's a wrestling, uh, I guess, a fan fest type thing. Um, it's Which not going to. Don't worry. It's not. not going to turn into the uh, the Wrestle Fan Fest type fiasco. I went to one of these a few years ago. So, um, there's uh, there's probably going to be about 20 stars that are going to be there during the day. Goes from uh, I believe it's 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock to about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And then at 7 p.m. there's going to be a few matches, a wrestling show at night.
2: And And uh, some of the guys that are going to
7: be there. What's that? The headliner will be Bret Hart. Uh, Yeah, for signing autographs and meeting with the fans, there's going to be uh, Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, Hart Foundation. Uh, Jimmy Hart's going to be joining them as well. Uh, Harley Race. Uh, I know uh, Frankie Kazarian is going to be there, Uh, Eugene, Christy Hemigale, Ken, Miss Brooks. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be there, Honky Tonk Man. Uh, So it's going to be – there's a lot of people that are going to be there, so it's definitely going to be a show to go to. Um, It's in Newark. Uh, There should be some information that you can get on the Russell Warehouse uh, website. Just click Live Events on the top, and you'll be able to scroll down. There will be a little bit of information. There will be more posted pretty soon as – as soon as I get it, you know.
2: Are you uh, are you driving up or flying up?
7: Uh, I'm driving up, so I expect you to be buying dinner that night, KZ. <laughs> hey,
2: you know what, Alex? Why don't you <laughs> jump in the car, dude?
7: Yeah, I, I invited Alex, so we'll see if Alex uh, comes along. Come up, March dude. It's a, it's, a, it's a Saturday, so it'll be... Um... Uh, yeah, it's it'll be a, a whole day of wrestling. Like I said, it starts at, I think, 9 o'clock. And it ends no. at 4, wrestling is at 7.
1: What's that?
2: You, you guys you guys could actually crash at my pad if you like. You know, why pay for hotel?
1: There you go, Alex. I night Fire night.
2: Pro all night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did invite that, you before, didn't I, Alex?
7: What's that?
4: that?
7: I think I did invite you to this before. Oh, well, you just did, it. so uh, let me see if I can get off work. I'll, I'll roll up there with you. I'll off be the work. director
4: of Ring Crew. It's Saturday, dude. <laughs> yeah, but for making long trips like that, it's, it's a military. <laughs> anyway,
2: yeah.
4: so uh Put in the made time. a trip over, for the time. <laughs> I made a trip up to the Russell Warehouse this weekend, and uh, we saw the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. And so... Uh, Real quick, I would like to know some of your thoughts on the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, starting off with an MVP wrist uh, Flair match. Are you talking to me? Yes. Or anyone uh, who wants to respond. I mean... <laughs> so, um,
7: I I don't know. I, I'm i kind of disappointed, I think, with the flair matches lately. I don't know. It, it seems like they're just, you know, he's, he's going to retire, so... I don't know. Let him win a few.
2: <laughs> I haven't seen... I, don't I have What's not the... seen... I have not seen a good Ric Flair match since December 12th or December, yeah, December 12th, 2003.
7: I mean, obviously he's going to win every match until he's ready to retire, but I don't know. It, it it seems like they're trying to bury him, too, with some of the angles. Mhm. I don't know. I'm not a fan of the whole storyline. You know, just let him retire when he's ready, you know.
4: Yeah, I, I definitely don't think that this is the best way to give Rick Flair his last, uh, his last no. go in the company. I mean, uh, the guy's done more
1: than, you know, the, the guy's done a lot in the business, and uh, it's unfortunate how he's kind of being treated on his way out.
5: So, uh... Yeah, next
1: match? JBL and Y2J, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, I, you I, know what, I, I think... Agree. Good build-up for, Go uh, for a bull rope match. I think uh, Alvarez is right on that one.
7: Yeah, I um I really like Chris Jericho. I really don't like JBL. Um, I liked him when he was with the APW, Rose. APA gimmick. Um,
4: APW? I,
7: AP, <laughs> sorry.
5: <laughs> APA? Um, hey, the, that stuff was good.
7: Gimmick, I really liked it. I thought it was cool, and I really don't care for him now. And I thought, I I personally think he's a horrible announcer. And I know Alex doesn't, but Alex, you don't mind him, right? But I, I don't care <laughs> for him.
1: And I'd I'd rather just see him off TV. <laughs> okay, so, Alex, so uh, yeah, I think, uh, we remember the, the Bulldog. I, I don't know what, uh, JBL doesn't look like
4: to me, like he's ready quite yet to get back in the room. Uh, that was a definitely a brutal, brutal match. It was, it was a good <laughs> match, but, uh. I think they you know sports. might need a little bit of time off before he gets gets back in the ring full-time.
7: <laughs> he should have practiced with bulldogs.
4: Those... <laughs>
7: <laughs> and he th- it looked like he took a beating after that, too. <laughs> <laughs> and
4: then
5: uh,
1: the third match was uh, Ray Mysterio against Edge. Uh,
7: what, what do you think about it? What did you, you think of that match?
4: What I think about that match, well, I mean... Uh, you know my opinions of bass is uh at one time i felt like he was the top heel you know uh, in the in the country you know for working for uh, wwe and then uh he went out to the injury and then he came back and then uh i've not watched most of his current stuff when he's come back cuz i generally don't watch smackdown but i still was under the belief that you know he was still amazing and then i watched that match and it just seemed uh it seemed like ray's been off i haven't really it hasn't really seemed to me like ray since his comeback has really been the Bold Rey Mysterio and then Edge, I mean uh definitely it it didn't it didn't really click that well for me. And then the, the Master Square Guardian audience uh they were going bizarre world on us like we were in Canada. They were cheering for uh Edge and Boo and Ray and they gave a weird dynamic to the match
1: and uh
4: I don't know, I just I, it kinda left me uh
1: underwhelmed. K hey, Z what did you think about the match? Um, it sucked. It Ray, Ray I'd like,
7: is... I'd like
2: to see, I'd,
7: I'd really like to see Ray lose some weight, though.
2: Well, you know what? Ray, Ray isn't, he's not the guy that, you know, I fell in love with in 92 and 93. Oh, you definitely know? not. I mean, it, it's, he's a shell of his former self, and it's sad.
7: But I'm he's sure not he's not really allowed is. to do half the stuff that he's, he's used to doing and the people want him to see, too, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: True.
7: You know they kibosh a lot of moves that
1: that a lot of guys want to do. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he's
2: he's too big to do anything.
7: Well, that's what I said. You know, he, I he mean, double the size that he was a few years ago.
4: Well, what Dude, about that innovative move? Now, the slide, the the, I mean, the slide into the tornado DDT. <laughs>
7: that was that was horrible. I mean, just just go back, just go back to some of the WCW stuff with the cruiserweight matches, and he was unbelievable. Him and Eddie Guerrero him and psychosis, those are some of the best matches.
2: Mm-hmm. But Even anybody, he,
7: he, I mean, he's double the weight now that he was. And I mean, he can't move around as quick as he used to.
4: It's unfortunate that he's their only, uh, Hispanic star that they have because, uh, they can't seem to want to let him go. But, uh, I definitely think, uh, speaking of that, wow watching some new Japan and Brock Lesnar just gave some horrible kicks, but, uh, it,
1: it, it seems like, uh, they should really let him go. <laughs> and the I next match, think, I don't think they want to. I don't think they want to let him go and risk him going to TNA, though. They'd rather hold on to him.
4: I'd rather just see him, you know, uh, one last one in Mexico, and then uh, maybe
1: lose the mask again and uh, call it a day.
5: <laughs> yeah.
1: But uh, the the next match was another uh, world
4: title match, and this match. Uh, this match was, in my opinion, you know, the biggest match on the show,
1: and it had a lot on his shoulders. Was uh, the Randy Orton Jeff uh, Jeff Hardy match?
2: I enjoyed it. it. Um, it was a solid match, and I liked the finish. It was out of nowhere. Um, Orton won clean. He didn't cheat. You know, he just countered and and put him away. You know, and that was, and it kept Hardy strong uh it didn't do much damage to Hardy um i still think he's a viable challenger and i think he may get the title shot
1: again at no way out and Jeff what were your opinions of the match um i don't know they've
7: um they've really been pushing hardy a lot and a lot and um to me it kind of came out of nowhere because he was just you know they just threw him down at the bottom of the card they used to. Um, I thought it was a good match, though.
5: Um,
7: I don't know. I I would have liked to have seen Hardy get it as much as I'm not a big Hardy Boys fan. Um, I thought it would have been cool to see him get it and, you know, lose it before this next pay-per-view so, you know, they can do this elimination match. But, uh, you know, it was a good match. Now, the match that everyone... He's definitely stepped up his game, though, in the last couple of years.
1: Oh, he definitely has. And with him crying in the beginning of the match, I swore that 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 was the signal for title change. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else got that, but uh. Jeff was hopefully weeping when they uh. were doing the stare down. Yeah. All right. Well, the next match was uh. yeah. Yeah. Look back at the tape. Wow. Well, I haven't. And a then crown. uh. The next match was uh, the match I think everybody's talking about,
4: which was the Royal Rumble match. What What are some of your memories of the Royal Rumble match? Start with Jeff. Uh, I thought the low point was Michael Buffer.
7: <laughs>
2: I have to agree. Wasn't worth he was grand. horrible?
7: He was horrible, and when he pulled out his three by twenty five foot note cards, <laughs> that was awful. I mean, how long has he had to prepare for them? For you know the thirty second promo that he had. If only Matt Jackson
4: was there to super kick him in the face. <laughs> What's that? If only Matt Jackson would have been there to super kick him in the face.
7: <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, you know what? I liked the Royal Rumble. I thought it, I thought it was good. Um, obviously, it was a big shocker for for the winner. But I thought overall it was a cool... Um, I, I really enjoyed seeing Undertaker and Shawn Michaels throughout the whole match. I really liked that.
2: They told a hell of a story, didn't they?
7: I really liked it. The entire, it was, it was, I mean, they were in there 80, 90% of the match, and it just kept going right back to them. I'd really like to see a one-on-one with them.
2: Well, they, I I told Alex that, that I had the feeling that they're going to, for Mania, they're going to book The Undertaker and Michaels um, one more time. Why the hell not? You know? Makes sense. Yeah what they
7: did, I, I'm, I'm sure Shawn Michaels didn't like uh, getting that kick from Hardcore Holly too. <laughs> so, Broken nose, I mean, dude. That's it was just us. a stomp to the face.
5: He might have stepped the I wrong person on now. that move. <laughs> yeah.
4: Now, my memories of the Rumble will uh, not only be of Jimmy Snuka's coming back and uh, <laughs> Ronnie Piper's gut, but, uh, oh, oh man. But uh, the one everyone's talking about is the John Cena thing and about how they fooled everybody with that. And uh, I, I, but my jury's still out on that. At, at the time, I thought it was really cool and it was really neat how they uh, they worked everyone in the world into thinking when uh, John Cena was going to be ready to return. But also, I mean, the the knack behind a good promoter is is that he's able to tease and finally give off the payoff. And I, I don't know how many pay-per-view buys might have been. As the Royal Rumble always does real, real well. But uh, I don't know how many buys that you know they kind of sacrifice. Might not tease them
1: a little bit, you know that uh, John Cena may have been making his return because uh, he's definitely the biggest money guy that they have. Do I have any comment on that? I'm I'm not really a big John Cena fan,
2: so <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think it was I think it was waste. Um, I
1: could have done this I the mean, Undertaker
2: win the crumble. It 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 showed I, with the finish that they did with uh, 129 and and it 30 it just shows that the company doesn't give a fuck about those other 28 guys. You know they're all in there working hard, you know, and these two faggots come out and that's it. It's weak. I mean it's disrespect.
1: Oh, did you see Shelton Benjamin's 3 second?
2: <laughs> so much for that push, right? Yeah, he got pushed right <laughs> out of the
7: ring. I mean, he was out in no time. I would have loved to have seen Tommy Dreamer in there at least a little longer than he was. I mean, he got a huge, I mean, a huge bump throughout the whole time he was in there. There were Tommy Dreamer chance trans, trans for ten minutes.
4: Now on to have, uh
1: another one of our websites,
4: www.online.com. They had a they had four Royal Rumble pools this year, and. Uh, I was given number 30 by Brian Alvarez after originally being number 16, and um, so I am winning the fourth World Rumble pool this year as I was the number 30 entrant, and uh, I sent in my shout out today, and not only did I play uh, New Wave Pro Wrestling, I-, I plugged the show Rubber Guard Radio, but
5: uh, also I laid down
4: my challenge to Brian Alvarez. Brian Alvarez, I'm coming for you uh, in April, uh, sometime in the spring. I should be coming up to Washington to get some training from uh, Buddy Wayne, and then uh one of my goals is to, to beat and do the thing that Larry Sweeney's not been able to do, is that's beat Ryan Alvarez,
1: one through three in the middle of the ring.
5: Anything
1: there you to get go, closer Chico. To, uh,
7: anything to get closer to Sweeney,
2: huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
7: yeah.
2: There you go, Chico. That's an open challenge.
1: Are you I'm wearing your short. Sweeney shirt? <laughs> you know, I do have a question for you, Alex. What's up?
2: Do you see any similarities between Ted the Trailer, McNaylor,
4: and Larry Sweeney?
1: Honestly, uh, to to
4: tell you the truth, I've not seen as much Ted the Trailer, McNaylor as I've liked to have. I bought the first couple of uh, Derby City episodes on the the, persi- the the persistence of Brian Alvarez telling everybody they needed to check him out, and then. Uh, just don't, I understand Derby City's uh, they need to make money, but I just think the DVDs are a little bit high price for uh, my budget. But um, from what I've seen of Ted, I really really liked. I haven't had an opportunity to watch Brian Alvarez Ted Mizanler match yet. Um, I do need to watch that, yeah. but I, it's kind of hard to turn off my New Japan stuff. But uh, uh,
0: from what I understand, though, I mean he's a,
4: he's a, listened to the Interview Hour one with uh Kenny Bully. I mean he's impressing a lot of people, so he's definitely a guy that I need to check out.
2: Well, I I think that that he's going to not make it as a worker. I think he's going to really make it as a manager, uh, kind of like the way Sweeney did, you know, with ROH. Well,
4: you know, you know that's that's an unfortunate thing because when I used to get it, because uh, I first started getting to OVW when uh, Paul Heyman was booking it, because it's, as I think everyone knows, Paul Heyman is probably my favorite booker of all time, and uh, I had to check out what he was doing in OVW. And uh one of the best on air talents I think they had at OVW during the time was uh Armando Estrada. I forgot what name he went by down there, but uh Armando was, you know, hilarious and very entertaining when he was down there with the segments he had with uh, Robbie Dauber. Which what happened to Robbie Dauber. But uh
1: he was very, very entertaining
4: with the segments of Robbie Dauber and then uh doing
1: infomercials. And then, uh, I just unfortunate how they've uh, put away Armando because uh, I really think that he was a very, very uh, good
4: package there with
1: Umaga. And I think it'd been awesome if they'd put him with Kali.
2: Well, I think Sweeney with with would have been great. That that would have <laughs> been money. That
1: would have been Sweeney money. with anybody
4: could have been great. I mean, Sweeney and Shelton Benjamin, or Sweeney with you know anybody who they're not. Uh, confident with and carry it on the mic, you know, I mean, it'd be amazing. Shelton Benjamin? Then,
2: uh, uh, he's overrated. He's overrated. Oh, you're not, a,
4: you're not a Shelton Benjamin fan?
2: No, not anymore, no. No. <laughs> not, not since, not after not since they brought his 30 mama 30 in. <laughs> she had no shit, huh? He became another statistic.
7: Where's his uh, tag team partner been?
1: He's doing a math gimmick on, on heat. heat. Is he? I don't – I guess yeah. I don't watch the uh, the online heat. I don't, I don't think anybody hey, does. Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. Jeff, PM yeah. me
2: your address on MySpace, and I will get you this past week's Sunday Night Heat. It does it okay. work. Check
5: it
2: out. <clears throat> well, I mean, just Wait. to see the Charlie Haas gimmick.
7: you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna send me a burned copy of a 30 minute
1: show (laughs) sure (laughs) okay all right I'll send you something good then cool all right hey JZ have you been checking out some of the the New Japan
2: results lately yes I have um nothing really surprises me here um they're they're doing a slow build up for uh
1: February first. Mm-hmm. No, nothing. I, nothing major. They're really pushing uh, Minoru
2: and Prince Devitt. Yeah, they are. It's good for for Devitt.
1: I honestly, uh, along with a, uh, along with a, uh, me and Ryan
4: Stone had a conversation before uh, we watched the one uh one oh four oh eight dome show, and uh, we really thought that was going to be Devitt's uh, maybe a swung song with New Japan because. Uh, you know, if the right person looks at this kid, you know, they might want to bring him back to America, you know. And that, uh, I don't know what his contract situation is with New Japan, but,
0: uh, you know, I mean,
4: seems like he'd be a good guy for, you know, a total nonstop action or even for uh, Mr. Marquez and the National Wrestling well, Alliance. He, and, uh, he,
2: worked, he worked the last set of tapings. Did he now? Uh, if I remember right, yes. Because he's on their roster. Oh, Okay. It just seems like TNA was gonna, you know, see him,
4: and then uh, it was actually real funny because if you watch the Dome Show, he uh, he has blonde. Well, I don't know if he has blonde hair anymore, but I know he had blonde hair at one point, and he's extremely pale. And I <laughs> and I was like, you know, if you're trying to impress TNA,
1: I mean, that's definitely not the the first suit you want to look at, you know.
7: If right. he's lucky, they'll push him like Shark Boy.
1: What's that? Oh, my God!
7: If, if Can you believe that? <laughs> Stone cold. can
2: you believe that i mean they they ripped off the music, everything they're gonna get sued uh,
7: t n a is just depressing now it's it's like it's, it's like joke. watching it's like watching the Heroes of war class. It's just depressing.
1: of that never had a rise <laughs>
7: <laughs> they Ooh. i mean they don't know they have two hours every week on thursdays i mean why not just? I, I was just really bummed when they got rid of the whole X Division, you know. They have they have so many guys that they can be using, and they just bury them every week. They don't use half the guys that they have.
2: At least you knew you'd get a good match with the, you know, with the um,
1: the X Division stuff. Yeah, half, but half the guys are now doing other stuff. Has anybody else checked out these YouTube shooters that are uh shooting on WWE and Vince McMahon's genius
4: again and uh putting over TNA?
2: No, I don't even pay attention.
4: Well this, this stuff is hilarious. I, I happen to check out one of <laughs> more recent posts up and then uh if you haven't seen it yet, Jeff, I'll shoot you a link. This stuff is uh it, it's very, very funny and it just I, I don't I don't quite because um I hey, have what, to,
7: is what what is it The you shoot?
4: No, it's uh, <laughs> it's not the you shoot. It's uh, these two fans that uh shoot on WWE. I'm getting the link for you right now. It's these two fans that shoot on WWE and uh, put over TNA, and it's just amazing to me because like uh, Brian Alvarez throws out a gauntlet. You know, if you're a fan of TNA, just email him and tell him why you're a fan of TNA because he wants to know. And then, you know, I, I feel the same way. You know, if you're a fan of TNA, you know, just you know, I won't make fun of you. You know, just tell me what about TNA you like, and um. You know, people people have told me what they like about TNA. I just I just don't understand it. What they, how they can watch that product and be happy with it.
5: I have
1: to agree. If you want a really good I mean, product, and you are
7: tired of TNA. You can go to SoCal
1: and you can buy real good DVDs at SoCalProWrestling dot com. Better than TNA right now. <laughs> <laughs> good job there, boss. Okay, but. That- Back to the TNA talk. What are your feelings on TNA, uh, Mr. Casey? I pff,
2: I don't watch the product.
1: I mean, I follow I
2: it, but I, I don't watch it. It's not worth my fucking time.
1: It's
7: almost like you me know. with
2: Heat. I didn't even know they were on online or anymore.
1: It's really, really, really unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs>
4: But uh, WWE they had
1: that big pay per view on Sunday. Where
4: uh, where do you see some of the things going toward No Way Out
1: with the big Elimination Chamber? Um,
2: you see, it's going to be a SmackDown one, I'm assuming.
1: No, it's a Raw one. They announced all the guys on Monday. Oh, it is Raw. Well, wait a minute. Jeff Hardy, Jeff Hardy, Triple H, Umaga, um, JBL. Yeah, JBL's in it. Jericho in there? Yes, yeah, yeah, Jericho's Jericho. also
2: on there. Okay, so I didn't watch Raw last night. Who? What title is uh, Cena gonna challenge for?
4: He's actually
5: challenging
1: Randy Orton to lay out. When so he's
7: not even using work. his title match at Mania. He's using it a month earlier. Yes. <laughs> Which is like pointless to even have the War Rumble then. <laughs>
2: You know they they threw this shit together at the last minute. You know they wanted to work the fucking internet fans.
1: Fucking bullshit. I mean you don't you don't run a company like that. Vince knows better too.
2: But.
4: Now speaking of a company
1: who doesn't uh, work the internet fans, we got
4: uh, a little under ten minutes left, and then uh, let's give out another hard plug. Nine minutes left. I said under ten. Uh we got we got a company that's running a show February ninth. Um, yeah, we're gonna
7: have the biggest guest ever
1: show up. <laughs> ever.
7: It's gonna be unannounced. You just have to come to find out.
2: <laughs> it's gonna be Vader. Bigger
1: than the Royal Rumble.
2: It's gonna be Vader and he's gonna trip over a trip over a fucking chair and break his head.
5: It <laughs> was
4: actually Vader. there was actually someone who broke a chair at a at a SoCal
1: Pro show before.
7: There was. He sat in it, and two minutes later, it
1: it broke in three pieces under him. <laughs> was it Slim? That, no. 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 Somebody sitting on uh, sitting the ringside. Some Someone's sitting ringside. So <clears throat>
7: that might have been the highlight of SoCal Pro so far. <laughs> so we checked out uh,
4: LOI on Sunday what are some of your thoughts on that other than the greatness of Ray Bucanero
7: Ray Bucanero I've never seen Alex mark out so much in my life
4: <laughs> oh, he's great uh, dude Ray,
7: Ray Bucanero was awesome he'll be back for LLI on uh, February 10th I
4: gotta that's get a ocean- picture with him
7: that's in Oceanside uh, at the show palace but the, but the show on Sunday it was, a, it was a really really good turnout for their first show I th- uh from what i was told there was there was around 300 fans that showed up for that show. Uh it's it's an awesome building. Um uh what do you think of the building? Alex?
4: Oh wow. Um Jeff kept bringing it up and i thought it was a good point. It looks like a old uh almost like an old studio kind of setup, but a lot bigger. But uh it, like it, it definitely a-
7: Everything's dark except the ring. There's a lot yeah. of fog. Yeah, it's a really good setting for wrestling um they've got well, they have a lot of there. dances there
4: don't they a lot of bands play there so it's set yeah, up for
7: that the, they do a lot of bands and, and a lot of music and and dances there so that's what it's set up for but it it i i was there on friday uh just scoping it out seeing where uh where everything was going to go and the the wrestling definitely looks better there than the uh than the dancing
1: <laughs> yeah the, yeah, the L.O.I. show
4: was real fun um
1: I'm going to have to get you some CMLL
4: with uh, Ray Bucanero in it because uh, he had a run with Ultimo Guerrero where they were just an awesome, awesome tag team. And uh, that was when I first developed my Ray Bucanero love.
2: Yeah. um, IVP Videos has a two-disc Ultimo Guerrero and Ray Bucanero set. It's fucking awesome. Well worth
1: picking up. That's really good. Definitely worth picking up. And then uh, somebody who I don't know, you know, I wish I knew a little bit more on the guy, but uh, Ray Bucanero's
4: partner that night was uh, the head trainer at the, the LA Dojo, which is uh, Durango Kid.
1: And Durango Kid, I mean, that guy can go. Good, too. Wouldn't you agree, Joe? Are we on? Yeah, yeah it was. Yep. I, that was the, the that main event
7: there was the best match of the night. Um. I I really liked that main event. I thought it was great. And then uh, we got one half of anchors
1: away. We didn't get the full anchors away
4: experience, but uh, we got
7: I half hear of yeah. I I hear Ryan Stone had the injured knee from uh, from the the last New Wave show during that tag tag title tournament. So uh, hopefully he'll be able to be and be at the next show on the tenth.
1: Okay, and now up this with show
7: his, with his pants getting this, pulled down.
2: This show that you guys went to on Sunday, this wasn't the dojo show, was it?
1: No, Do- it was on. An- this is an ocean okay.
2: Side. Wow,
1: Buck and Arrow
2: worked. This- Buck worked a double shot. Yeah, he did. Because he, yeah, he headlined the LA Dojo show. Yeah, oh, he wow.
7: did. I don't think he was supposed to be there though. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> but um,
1: he'll and he'll be back on the tenth too uh, in Oceanside. Yeah, it was, uh, a promotion, uh, ran by a
4: guy named Oscar, and, uh, he runs LLi, which is right now is the only, uh, Lucha Libre that we have in San Diego, which is really unfortunate, because for a while, uh, funny, I, I, Jeff would probably say this better than I could, but I think some of the best wrestling out of San Diego, though some of the only wrestling out of San Diego, was, uh, the Lucha companies, and then, uh, LLi's taking a couple of hiatuses, and, uh, Hopefully they really found something with a show palace to where they can start running regularly again.
7: Yeah, from well, from the looks of it, it, it was a great turnout, great building. So hopefully, you know, hopefully uh, there can be Lucha back there, you know, at least once a month.
2: Hey, Jeff. Yes. How about getting Ray Arrow booked for a SoCal Pro Wrestling show?
1: Uh, sure, you never know.
2: Buck and Arrow and Adam Pierce, if, I if think he, would be
1: fun. Well, if
7: he's if he's keeps coming back to Oceanside, I'm sure sure things can be worked out.
1: There we so, go. I mean, he's just for he's you, obviously Alex, doing you. a lot. Just for you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm telling
4: you. It?
1: For my birthday, I want you to book uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Shit. Okay, I'll do that. Too. <laughs>
2: All righty, gentlemen, we're coming down to the three minute mark. So uh let's get in those plugs. Alex, you're first.
4: Okay, uh MySpace, www.myspace.com dot myspace dot com backslash Sam Saint. Um find out
0: uh how nothing
4: is going on in the world of Alex Saint. How uh <laughs> you might find out about some shows that I'm setting up rings at or uh the the new wave shows that I work and uh L L I shows that I Help with the merchandise table and uh, add me as a friend. And I got www.newwayprowrestling.com. Um, I, we're not the premier wrestling company in San Diego. <laughs> 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 uh, 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 Jeff sold that title, huh? So we're uh, yeah. we
7: you owe 10, me ten dollars now. I trademark it now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll 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 take care of Jeff's plugs uh, and
1: SoCalProWrestling.com.
2: Um, my sponsor for this show, WrestleWarehouse.com, um, and of course my plugs would uh, be MySpace.com backslash um F4WOnline.com. Um, if you're anywhere near the Seattle area or plan on going near the Seattle area and you want to train to be a pro wrestler, I suggest you hit up uh, Buddy Wayne's dojo, uh, BuddyWayne.net. Uh, you are not going to get anybody better than Buddy. Uh, solid worker, great teacher. Um, we're coming down to our last minute. Gentlemen, any parting words?
4: Uh, February 9th, SoCal Pro, and March 15th, uh, New Wave Pro Wrestling. And uh, there'll be some fun shows in San Diego. Then February 10th, LLI, if you're a Lucha fanatic. And you want to see Ray Bucanero. Hey, hey, hey. There you go. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And, uh, <laughs>
6: hey,
2: Eric. I will uh, be seeing. <laughs> I will be seeing you boys on uh, the 15th. Is it the 15th of March or is it the 12th? It's 15th. The
7: it's the 15th. first. You That's guys are weeks off the first.
2: <laughs> no, no. It's the first. Alex, you need to get the time off and come up on the first, man. Come I'll up definitely to see on what my I have couch.
4: To do. If they let me, me get work going, for that I'll see what I can
2: do. <laughs> there you go. There you <laughs> go. There you go. There you go. All right, thanks oh, guys. Boy. All righty, right, Jeff. Thanks for your time, brother. And I will be hey, talking to you, you very soon. I'll right, talk
1: to you later. Bye. All right, Alex. Another successful show. Yep, it was a it was another great show.
7: Another
4: good show under our belt. I'm not seeing our contact. Uh, I'm not seeing our uh, stuff on AngryMarks.com yet. When's that stuff going to get put
2: up? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, looks like probably <laughs> February. Okay. Uh, I just sent. I just sent all, all the archives to Stevie J, so... Okay. We're coming down to our last ten seconds.
1: So we'll just... Support, support Indie you. Pro Wrestling. Support Indie Pro Wrestling, and fuck you, MIDI. Block
5: Talk
1: Radio.